This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me, John. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Wedge Live podcast. I don't have a co-host today. It's just me and park board candidate Eric Moran, who's running in District 2, which I gather from your website is North Loop and North Minneapolis. That's correct, but it's only a small subsection of the North Loop. So basically along the river, between Washington and the and the river. And how long have you been running for park board? You just got in, right? <laughs> uh, I think it's been about a month now I made the decision. Okay. Do you regret it? I do not. Okay. <laughs> it was kind of a, um, so the the whole thing went, um, I saw that uh, Becky Alper had announced uh, that she was running. And I made an offhand comment on Twitter about saying, well, is it saying it would be nice if we had somebody that was running in district two and, uh, Risa, I don't know if it was jokingly said it, but Risa said you should run. Mm -hmm. And then a day later I got a contact from somebody else saying, Hey, do you have any interest in running for the park board? And it was just, there were two separate, two separate people talking and having that conversation that, really just kind of like made me think about it for a little bit and said that that's actually something that I would enjoy doing. Are you sure about that though? Have you ever watched an eight hour park board meeting? You sure it's something you'd enjoy? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would enjoy it. I think uh, representing and working on behalf of the people is something that I really would very much enjoy, even if it means me being the one that has to suffer through a, an eight hour meeting. Well, you dodged the question. Have you ever watched one of the eight hour meetings? Uh, not the full eight hour meetings. I've watched bits and pieces of some of the, uh, the other meetings, but not a full eight hour one. Okay. Well, you're, you're in for something. <laughs> and do you have an opponent? Uh, not currently. And Kale Severson, who's the, the current member in district two has decided not to run. That's correct. Okay. So tell me what you want to do on the park board. Why are you running? So I've got a lot of, um, the two, well, the two main platforms I'm running on right now are accessibility and um, and understanding climate change as it relates to the park system. So accessibility is something that's very close to me and really important to me. And as I'm reaching out to individuals now in uh, in my district, accessibility is like the top of their list as well. Um, it's really, it's actually kind of surprising how many people complain about or how many people have issues with the way things are not accessible in the park system, be it um, hearing about lack of lights in parks, hearing about lights that don't turn on in parks on like the, in the winter time, uh, hearing about uh, individuals that uh, use mobility devices and are finding trails that are just either, uh, either paved trails or, you know, they're just not able to get around in the park system. Um, that's you know i've got a uh, my mother-in-law is uh is in a mobility device and in having traveled around with her and seeing the struggles that uh that she faces in that it's everybody should be able to access our park systems 
And so it's that's one of the things that I find most important, and I want to make sure that everybody has fair and equal access to the parks. So have you been doing a lot of campaigning and talking to delegates? Uh, you're running for the DFL endorsement, right? That's correct. And so you weren't on the caucus materials, but you will be one of the candidates listed at the convention for endorsement, right? Correct. I have not heard that there is going to be another one. The The cutoff was on uh, Wednesday night, so I may so be the just, only one for District 2. It's just you. That's beautiful for you. Yeah. And so when you're talking to people, when you're talking to delegates, in addition to the accessibility question, what other concerns do people have about parks or what do people care about when it comes to parks in District 2? Um, the big thing, so accessibility, I'm just going to go into that a little bit more. So when I'm when I'm really preaching on accessibility, I'm, I'm not only talking about like the physical access, but I'm also talking about uh, digital access as well. So I have a background in IT, um, and specifically in uh, in web hosting, and looking at our digital platforms, at the parks digital platforms, and looking at them from the accessibility standpoint, it's there's a lot to be uh, desired there. So when I've talked to uh, when I've talked to the delegates uh, that I've talked to so far, I talked about updating the parks website to meet needs for screen readers and meet needs for. Uh, for mobile devices, I'm finding other parents that are equally excited about having a park website and registration system that actually works on a mobile device. So talk, talk about that a little more. Like, does the Minneapolis Park Board's website stand out to you as particularly bad compared to like other government agencies or? So it has, it works on a mobile device. But if you're somebody who's using a screen reader, screen reader or an, like a assisted uh, reading device, it needs to be optimized quite a bit. There's a lot of jumping around and a lot of moving around to get to even just like a park the parks list. It's not very straightforward for somebody who needs assistance. So if I went to MinneapolisMN.gov, does the city have their website up to up to par? It's not great either. Okay, so it's it's a common problem. It is a, yeah, it's make... a very common problem. There's uh, there are defined uh, standards for meeting accessibility needs. That's um, that's something that. Um, so I work in the public sector as well, and that's something that we push for for our uh, for our clients to make sure that all of their all of their uh, web content is able to be those standards. Right. So I think I interrupted you talking about. You're talking to voters. What are they telling you their concerns? Start with accessibility. Sure. So accessibility is uh, one of the things. The other I'm hearing a lot of is around uh, around what the park system is going to bring to North. Um, we're hearing a lot of concerns around um, North representation that's been missing from the park system. Um, so the park board does play a big hand in helping plan like the blue line extension. And so determining the, uh, one of the big things that I'm looking forward to working on is helping determine the blue line, the direction of the blue line that that goes. In. So through North there's individuals that would be, or the blue line, there's two directions that they're looking at. There's like a, a route through Broadway and a route through Lowry. And so hearing from hearing from delegates that 
obviously want to see the blue line come closer to them, but understanding which, you know, needing to meet the, uh, the needs with uh, the rest of the, uh, the population to figure out which direction it should go. Okay. And to talk a little bit about more about you, you're a streets MN board member. I think that's the first thing I learned about you when somebody said, Hey, Eric Moran is running. I'm like, who is that? I'm like, Oh, that Eric Moran. Sure. So I joined Streets uh, at the beginning of 2020. Um, we met in person twice, and then 2020 happened. So it's it's been uh, a lot of trying to adapt and understand how do we make how do we keep the streets uh, how do we keep the streets mission going while everything else is going on around us. Maybe um, we should say what streets.mn is and not assume that people know what that is. It's uh it's about transportation and land use. I've written for streets.mn. It's a it's a group blog, right? Yep. Yep. We do have um it's about making streets for everybody throughout Minnesota, not focusing on streets as a transportation method for cars. Okay. Sounds good to me. So on uh, on streets, I'm a member of the uh, social uh, the social board, and a member of the um, the technology as well technology committee as well. So maintaining the website, um, I help run the social media accounts. So a lot of times, if there's if there's tweets that people are seeing from streets, it's either myself or one of the other. There's two other individuals that that run that as well. Okay. And are you doing your own social media on your campaign? I do a little bit. I do have somebody that's also helping me with that. Are you having fun running for office? <laughs> Actually, yeah. I really like meeting people. And so it's it's really exciting to uh to start talking to people on the phone and then I'm I'm starting to uh to get schedules or trying to figure out when we'll work to start planning uh, in person meetings with individuals to start doing some listening sessions, things like that. Did you read that uh, story today? Minneapolis has fallen to number three best park city in the country. And I think that rating is based on the number of people who live within a 10 minute walk of a park. Right. What do we do to improve on that and make sure more people can live near parks? So one of the things that uh, was covered in that article today, and now that the um, they use for a rating system excuse me, or do they use a, a new factor for, uh, for rating is how, what does the uh, equity look like in parks? And so how many people of color have access to parkland compared to how many white people have access to this parkland? Um, and one of the things that Minneapolis scored lower on, which hurt us is the number of people of color, like the, the space that they have access to. Yeah, I think the stat is 58% less, says minority neighborhoods have access to 58% less park space per capita than white neighborhoods in Minneapolis, a larger disparity than the national gap of 44%. In St. Paul, people of color have 30% less park space than their white counterparts. Right. Yep. And with that, it's looking at things. So, you know, jumping back to how I was talking about the blue line extension, as uh, as we're going through this process and as we're discovering space that we should be, um, you know, as the blue line construction would happen, let's say it happens along Broadway. Um, it's taking the space that where you would be utilizing for that and making that into, you know, expanding the park space in that. 
expanding the park space along the uh, that blue line, so making it something of a, a destination for individuals to go to as they hop on the train. Um, it's looking at things like the Upper Harbor Terminal project as well. That's the park is being involved in that and figuring out what we can do to make sure that we're building that space as well. Um, I think it's there's other there's other spaces within North Minneapolis that when you're driving around and or biking around and seeing property that needs that's been abandoned for a while, it's understanding is this something that we need to take and um, and redevelop into housing, or is this something that we could be utilizing for a community space of a park of some kind? Um, I think there's there's other things as well, like real like changing some of our uh, potential uh, like park spaces into other uh, use spaces, such as uh, skateboard parks as well. So meeting some different needs within a different uh, within uh, within North. So one hot button issue in South Minneapolis, I don't know if this is a hot button issue in North Minneapolis, but I remember seeing yard signs. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, like save Minnehaha Parkway. Mm-hmm. And it made me wonder what's, what's going on with Minnehaha Parkway. Are they going to abolish Minnehaha Parkway? And I, they were going to divert car traffic. Maybe you've heard about that mm-hmm. off of Minnehaha Parkway. Is that a big issue in North Minneapolis? What, what we do with the parkways regarding like car access, maybe reserving them for pedestrian and bikes on some days or maybe all days. I don't know. Is that, is that a topic of concern? There, it is a topic of some concern. There's a, um, and I can't recall the exact street they did it on in North. Um, I want to say it was a block West of Fremont next to, uh, Fallwell Park. Uh, but they did the same thing where they just closed that street down for, uh, just for pedestrian traffic. Um, it's, there aren't as many, um, there aren't as many spaces like Minnehaha Parkway or like the path or, or the parkway around uh, Bidimakaska that we have in North um, that are very much like either a loop or it's a, you know, it'd be like a really desirable walking path. Um, I do think that we should be looking at some of the, the streets though, and the other paths that we could potentially be using for that. So for instance, we've got Victory Memorial Parkway um, where if we're, we have the option to close that down for a certain number of days. I think that would be something that individuals would like quite a bit. I know the feedback from people that we're using, uh, we're using the the parkways um, around Bidi Makaska. We're very excited to uh, to be able to actually use more space and not feel crammed in by like the bicycle riders and things like that. So I think there's potential for looking at some of the other roads around parks to potentially do that in north but it's definitely not as big of a uh an, a concern in north as it is compared in, in south there's one issue park issue that i cannot seem to get excited about i assume it's important people talk about pesticides all the time do you know anything about that can you explain that issue to me yeah, and this is one of the things that I'm lear- starting to learn a little bit more about and understanding like pesticide runoff into our waterways. And so trying to reduce the amount of, uh, of pesticide runoff into our waterways would also help uh, mitigate some of the climate change that we will be facing. 
So it's something I'm very interested in. It's something that I have started talking with uh, a couple of the people on my team about that know a lot more about it. Um, but it's something that I'm definitely wanting to pursue quite a bit more. Yeah, it's one of those things where you tune into a park board meeting. Someone is very exercised about pesticides. Right. So get on that. <laughs> here's here's an issue I care about. Uh, it was a big issue here in the Wedge. Basketball. Mm-hmm. So I'll just ask you a simple question. Full court or half court? So how many people do you have playing? Uh, it's, it can get pretty crowded there at Mueller Park playing basketball. Sure. Um, so along uh, along Dowling, we've got uh, Fowler Park. And so whenever I ride through, uh, through there, there's almost always people playing basketball. Um, Is it's it a half mix- court? It's a mixture. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes I'll see half court. Sometimes I'll see full court. But it's a full court basketball court, right? Oh, sorry. Yes, it is a full court basketball. Okay. Uh, I just mean we have. So maybe I need to explain the saga because you're probably not up on wedge history. <laughs> but it, Mueller Park was built with a full court in like 1975. Okay. And starting around 1980. People started complaining about crime as it relates to the basketball or as they thought it related to the basketball court, loud music, drinking, drug dealing. And, you know, the assertion was this is because of the basketball court and that kind of died down. And the reason I know this is because I've read a lot of old newspaper articles and like neighborhood meeting minutes from the time. And so so we've got a full court for 20 years and in the late nineties, they succeed in cutting it down because they're redoing the park and we end up with a half court. This is all before I live here. I moved okay. here in 2012. And so over the past, I don't know, 20, almost 25 years at this point, we've had a half court and recently went through an engagement process with the parks plan. I think we succeeded. We did succeed in getting uh, a full court put into the plan. That, okay. That's basically a long way of explaining my interest in the issue. Sure. There's a lot of, and you, you will see this in other cities. It's basically nationwide people associating crime with basketball. Right. And the idea is, well, if we limit it to half court, we're, we're somehow, we're fighting crime because we let, <laughs> let full court in. There comes the crime. Yeah. And I know, so I know at uh, Falwell there is a full court. I want to say at uh, Far View there are multiple half courts. Um, they just did some construction in that park. I want to say it was 2019. Um, but I, if I think full court is totally fine. Good. You you meet my uh, <laughs> my basketball standards. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, so if you get. If you get more than what six people playing, if you're trying to play on a half court, that's just that's not going to fly. Yeah, exactly. Full court's great. It's fine, and it's it's a uh, versatile. You can switch it up to half court if you want. You got two half right. courts. Every yep. full court and, makes two half courts. Yep, and that's I see quite a bit on like a uh, foul since I'm uh, a couple blocks from there. That there's often people just utilizing the, the half courts. And then sometimes when I've uh, ridden past there, you'll see people using the full court. Well, I'm glad I got you to commit because I tried this with Risa and she was very, well, we have to listen to the community. That was, that was a bad answer. No, I think that's, yeah, you can definitely split that court if you need to. Yeah. 
Okay. Do you have any positions on park police? So this is one of the other things that I'm still learning about. I know the, the park police is a separate uh, entity from the MPD, but they do belong to the same union. Um, I do know that there are around between 30 and 35 members of the park police. Um, I would like to see the park police transition as, into something else that's not police oriented. Something that may be akin to like a uh, like a park ranger or like a park um, some kind of like assistant program within the park. Um, but at the same time, I understand that if they aren't police, there's certain things that only the MPD then can respond to. Right. And so that's what I'm still trying to learn and gather feedback on from individuals. It's one of those things that I don't know enough about the park police yet to, on how I feel about them. Yeah, I remember Reese's answer on that was, uh, if the if the park board isn't doing it, then you're basically outsourcing that to MPD. And right. her her position was to retain some control over what that looks like. Yep. Basically. Retain yeah, that's park police. yeah, and that's outsourcing to the MPD. I, I personally feel is a no go. Um, and so it's just understanding what can we do with the park police to have them fit the needs that we we have within the park system. Okay, homelessness and uh, encampments. Is there? Do you see anything that could have been done better by the park board in addressing that over the last uh, year or so? Anything you would do differently? Some problems that you saw watching that unfold? For sure. I think the park, uh, the park board was put in a really difficult place. Um, and I see that coming up again, potentially soon with this uh, eviction moratorium that's expiring at the end of June. Um, when I was uh, doing some research, I think a week ago, they, I think the number was around 53,000 homes within the state are potentially facing that at the end of June. So um, I think, I, I believe that while people are in the park systems, they need to be treated respectfully. And, you know, we need to be providing the resources that we can to those individuals. I do like that the, uh, the park board does have an outreach program now for those. So when they do find members or when they do find people in encampments within parks, they're working with them to help them find shelter. Um, I think it's important that we continue to provide resources. We're providing fresh water um, uh, facilities for them to use the uh, restrooms and things like that as well. Um, there's, I am not sure how I feel about the permitting system that they're currently using. Um, I think it's something that needs, uh, could be refined, but I do like that this outreach team that they have is working with them on that, uh, on that, uh, permitting system as well. So there are, um, I see your dog walking in and out of the room there. <laughs> <laughs> I do have two dogs. Um, there's a tiny dachshund that's camped back here on the chair. Oh yeah. Be able to see. Okay. Yeah. I see. And then, uh, an Italian greyhound that is walking around as well. I'm not sure if he's, he's right behind. Yeah. 
Sorry for interrupting. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, I uh, I do know that uh, right now the encampments that are within the city are. I do not believe there are any on parklands, but again, with this expiring at the end of June, it, that's something that is very likely going to come back up again. So what is, what are your favorite parks? Like what parks do you spend time in? Um, so I have a six year old daughter. So her favorite, her favorite parks, which turn into my favorite parks are the ones with playgrounds. So, um, we do spend a lot of time going to the, uh, the playground at, um, along the, uh, West river parkway. I'm not sure, even sure if it has a name right on the river there. Yeah. The like one on the North those... Loop. Okay. I think I, I think I know that playground. Yeah. Like it attaches to that trail that will take you like to Lowry Hill. Right. Yes. Yep. Okay. I know that playground. Yep. So that one is definitely at the top. Uh, Farview, we have been to a number of times now that they have done, they reconstructed the playground. Um, Falwell is the closest park and playground to my house. Um, I do like seeing people out on, uh, and this is one of the things that's that I feel like is a hot button issue in North is uh, Pokemon Go players. Mm-hmm. I personally don't play Pokemon Go, but on uh, once a month they have the Pokemon Go days in which you can catch a special Pokemon. Once a month? What what happens on that one day a month? So uh, this one day a month they have a special Pokemon that you can only get that day. Okay. You can only catch that day. And so Victory Memorial Parkway has a number of Pokemon stops. It's, I, right. it's from talking to a friend um, that used to work in that uh, for that company. That's one of the highest ratio for like distance walked versus the number of times you can catch a Pokemon. And what are you going, what is in your platform to address the concerns of Pokemon Go players? My, uh, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful that we have people out there enjoying the park, but there's a number. It's one of those issues that people in, in, uh, in, uh, the Western part of Camden over in victory, they definitely don't like seeing people come out to walk the parks. And I can't understand for the life of me why. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's nearly universal. Like you will go, uh, go to, I attended some community advisory committee meetings here in Southwest. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who see the park as their backyard. And in the right. same way, like there's people walking through my backyard. I don't like that, except it's a park. Get right. used to it. You bought a house near a park and now people are using it. <laughs> that's yep. That's exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> so weird. And unfortunately we have an engagement system sometimes that favors the concerns of those people. Right. Like those are the people at the meetings, the people who live right on the park. And if you go by what the people at the meeting say, you're going to develop a park system that benefits the people who live on the park instead of the people who could be using the park if we made them accessible. Right, exactly. And so things like, you know, I enjoy going out to Victor Memorial Parkway and walking, you know, not necessarily on the Pokemon days since I don't play, but understanding that we have all of these visitors to our park system to, you know, to partake in this, but we don't really have any facilities we don't have anything else that could help them while they're here so there's mm-hmm. no victory itself doesn't have uh doesn't have any restrooms the parkway um and so 
understanding now we've got these individuals here that are you know happily spending time in our park so what do we need to help them so that we're so that way they aren't littering and they aren't making a mess out of things too right shout out to my favorite pokemon go player uh, ryan brown from uptown i love that guy do you know ryan brown <laughs> i do not okay he's if you ask him about uh victory though the victory parkway i'm sure i'm sure he knows if he's i don't know he spends a lot of time in uptown he's my uptown guy but i'm gonna flash a picture of ryan brown on the screen since pokemon go came up and you have a dachshund bow tie there right i do yeah this is uh one of the things that uh i'm i'm trying to get risa to do is get to wear some more uh more bow ties so, what does uh, Risa have to do with your bow ties? Is she going to start wearing bow ties too? She's picked up a couple. Okay. Do they have animals on them? I don't think they do. She needs to up her game. I kind of associate the bow tie with Tucker Carlson a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. he used to wear yeah, bow ties. Yeah, definitely not a. It's from one of my other uh, previous jobs on Tuesdays. It was uh, trying to get as many people in the office to wear bow ties as we could. Did it work? Uh, for, a, we had about, uh, 25 people on the floor and I would say about six, seven more. So, I mean, it's a fair number. Okay. Have you tried that on the streets.mn board? I have not yet. Okay. When you, when you get back to in-person meetings, I'm sure you'll, you'll take on that job. I, yeah, I definitely will. I'll see if I can get Bill to wear a bow tie. Yeah. You think he would? Ooh, that'll be tough. What does he usually wear? T-shirts? Bill wears uh, some, yeah, just like flannel. Okay, he's casual. Yeah. And uh, what else should we talk about? Transportation? How do you get around the city? I prefer to use, so I do have a car, but I prefer, I have an electric assist cargo bike. Okay. Is, that, so, new? Is that new in your life? or? Uh, it was another 2020 purchase. I bought it in, in February of 2020. What are you hauling in your electric assist cargo bike? Uh, usually my daughter. Oh, okay. If you could, if you count that as hauling, but that's precious cargo. Yeah. You so she loves. Park. Yeah, she loves taking that that bike everywhere. That's her. Uh, so, if we um, if we have to go anywhere, that's definitely the preferred method of transportation for us. Can you can you fit an animal in that? In addition to your daughter, I probably could. Um, I don't think my. Yeah, I don't think my dogs would love that though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do have a, a trailer though, so it's frequently a uh, a go pick up, you know, place an order online or go pick up groceries or, or other things with the trailer and the cargo bike. So, which has been pretty handy, especially with uh, with the pandemic and not being able to go into grocery stores and just being able to pick up curbside. Yeah, I have. I don't know if you know this, but I have an Aldi that's like a block from my house, from my apartment, I should say, and uh, that's that's great. Moving a block you, from have a grocery you been to store. The, uh, uh, so my favorite is uh, North Market. The what's that? Is that like a like it's a co-op? A small, uh, no, it's not a co-op. There used to be a Kowalski's in uh, in Camden, in North Minneapolis. So all the way at the other end of the Victory uh, Parkway, uh, pretty close to the river. It was uh, my sense of time is skewed, but I want to say it's been three, maybe four years now that it's been open. So it's a project alongside of uh, Pillsbury Communities. Okay. All right. I saw some uh, news about the uh, Northside Cub that opened recently. That looks interesting. Yeah, that's pretty great. I think uh, the way that they're approaching crime is it's something that we need to 
move beyond and like or not move beyond but like spread more throughout the area yeah they're using like a i don't know whether to call it a private it's not really private security it's just not it's not police and i've noticed it in the uptown cub they for Mm -hmm. the longest time there would always be a cop at the uptown cub and a lot of times it was like a cop that i recognized from a news story about like brutality and the the city settling like a lawsuit right (laughs) it's like okay i guess he's still he's still uh, a member of the police force and he's doing security at the uptown cup but i've noticed like guys in civilian clothes with walkie talkies stationed where cops used to be right doing that and i didn't realize what that was until i saw the story i forget what channel it was but about how cub is not using uh, police anymore, at least some of their stores. Yeah, and I like the uh, the article I read this morning talked about how they're using uh, for when they're catching individuals um, with shoplifting, and they're they're actually addressing the root of the problem rather than addressing the shoplifting itself. Yeah. So if uh, if they're talking to the individuals that you know, understanding why were you shoplifting? Is it something that um, you know something that you you need food because you're hungry, then let's help get that solved. If you're shoplifting just for shoplifting, then obviously that's something different, but yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting approach. And I think, don't they have like, like a community space there at that store now? Yeah, they do. I think, I think I have come to the end of my list. This is maybe one of the shorter podcasts I've done. I cut out the co-host, so I don't know. And I, I feel like I was very efficient with the, I think we're two very efficient people here. We try to be. (laughs) Is there anything you want to talk about? What have we missed? So one of the other things, one of the things that I've had on my, on my radar for things that I want to look at from a a park board standpoint is the, uh, the victory ice arena. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. Tell us about it. So in, uh, in the Weber Camden neighborhood, there is a, or was an ice arena that's there. So it's a part of the Patrick Henry high school. Um, this is something that like as a park board, I want to take that space. The space now has not been an ice arena for, let's say almost 10 years, maybe a little bit less than that, but they've just been using it for storage. And so this is something I want to, similar to how the ice arena works in Northeast. I want to repurpose this ice arena and use this for, We've had interest from uh, from like the uh, roller derby team to use the space. We've had interest from people to use it actually as a ice space, and so just turn it into this multi-use area that we have now, where we can rent out or you know it would be another potential source of income for the park board and park system. That's interesting. That's a nice uh, little project. Yeah, it's something that I think would be really beneficial to the residents of this of this area and it's right on the sea line as well which is my favorite bus line by the way and there might be a little demand for like roller sports because there's that st louis wasn't there a place in st louis park that closed recently like a long time roller rink that everybody loved but the pandemic hit and they had to close yeah that roller garden yeah yeah that's definitely in that use for that as well so and who's the roller derby team that you said would use it? Uh, it's over in Northeast. I believe they call themselves Nerd. It's the Northeast Roller Derby. 
like a, like a league um or i think it's just like a smaller league but they u- use the space of the uh, armory off broadway and uh, central and northeast and they need another space it would be nice to have a different space okay anything else what are the projects you got in mind um a lot of the things related to UHT, so the Upper Harbor Terminal. Okay, tell us about so that. Just, yeah, so Upper Harbor Terminal, this is this uh, big amphitheater that they want to build along the river in uh, in North Minneapolis, so at the Dowling exit, more or less, if you're taking 94. Um, so from on uh, Dowling in the, uh, in the river there. Um, so the idea being a lot of old industrial that's going to be repurposed into an amphitheater There'll also be some uh, shops and uh, some living, uh, some housing that's built there. And so as a member of the park board, I want to see how we're going to be utilizing that space for four parks as well. So just north of there, we've got the North Mississippi Regional Park. That's got a number of, uh, of trails and, uh, and facilities that is not really connected at all to anything further south along the river. So we've got the uh, that trail that collects from the uh, from the rest West River Parkway. I want to see how we can connect that trail all the way up through to the uh, Upper Harbor Terminal. So the idea of riding your uh, your bike from downtown to go see a show at this new amphitheater that that we're that's going to be built, or you know catching a scooter, or you know not having to uh, to drive to get to this location, is fantastic. Yeah. So I, I thought of another question that I probably have to ask you since I asked the other park board candidate that I had on. Sure. Can you prove to us you're not a malignant personality? There's a lot of unfortunate uh, personalities on the park board and, and it leads to conflict. Lots of conflict on the park board. Lots of grudges. Uh, <laughs> uh, I asked this as a joke. I don't. I don't know if Risa got my joke when I asked it. I don't know if you'll get it when. I, so, prove to us you're not a malignant personality. Um, or maybe just answer how do you, how are you going to make the park board function better? Maybe that's a better way to phrase that question. So when I started contemplating the run for this, as I started talking to, uh, started asking friends and colleagues and other things like that, they it was just this overwhelmingly please run. You would be so like, you would bring such a, a change to like the face of the park board. Um, I always find myself, I always find myself being way more positive than I am negative in conversations and interactions with people. Um, so I think just from how I've like, how I interact with people just in general is I find people usually find me easy to get along with and, I'm excited to bring that energy to the park board. Well, I, I have found that in talking to you and I, I will take that as a pledge to unite the park board. You're pledging that right, right here today. You're going to unite the park board and bring us all together, right? I'm going to do my best to do that. Okay. Is there, is there anything else, Eric? Uh, no, I think this covers it. Okay. We're going to, we're going to cut it off at 40 minutes. Very, very well done, Eric. Thank you. I'm very proud of this podcast. Thanks, John. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was nice to meet you. My guest has been Eric Moran, who is running for Minneapolis Park Board in District 2, which is North Minneapolis and a little bit of the North Loop. And do you want to plug your website? 
I do. So my website is ericforparks.org. That's Eric spelled E-R-I-C and for spelled F-O-R. Okay. Say goodbye to our audience, Eric. Thanks for tuning in today. This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop. Stop this. We're in the wedge neighborhood right now, 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 right now.